Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you listen in. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome to this episode 22 of Truth Tidbits. We're just reading through the scriptures wherever the Lord may lead us each day and just sharing the things that that the Lord might put on our hearts to share with you. Today, I was drawn to Ezra 6 for several reasons, but um, but I do want to just speak a little bit from Ezra chapter 6, and I want to just sort of give you a little bit of the backstory. The chapter begins with a decree from King, Zer- King Darius, and so again, welcome as you join in. The decree is from King Darius. And he he has a lot of things to say, and he's basically um, supporting Cyrus's decree about the rebuilding of the temple. There has been a delay in that, and so now the temple is to be rebuilt. And um, so he's issuing that decree. He's very strong in favor of that and supporting that. And um, so it's interesting because you have to remember, this is the Darius that was king in uh, in the book of Daniel. You read in Daniel chapter 6 about this Darius as the king. And he, um, Daniel ended up being thrown in the lion's den under this king, Darius. Daniel was probably well into his 90s, if not closer to 100 years old, at the time that he ended up in the lion's den encounter. Now, how do we know that? We know that because the scriptures tell us what year it was in the reign of King Darius, um, approximately. It gives us some clue. At least we know the, the time frame when Darius began to reign. We know the time frame when King Nebuchadnezzar deported uh, Daniel. He was in one of those in the first deportation. He was a young man then in his teens, probably 13, 14, 15 max, my guess is. So let's assume he's 15 years old then. That was in 604, I believe, B.C. And then Darius begin, becomes king in, in um, 522 B.C. So you're already talking about 82 years plus he was, you know, 15 or so, 13 or so whenever he was captured um, way back in that first deportation. So, you know, by this time, he is well into his 90s, probably in the middle of his 90s, 95, 97, etc., when Darius begins to reign. And so, you know, it appears to be that it was not very long after that, maybe within a year or so, when he was thrown into the lion's den. And after that, because God saved and rescued him, King Darius came to know the living God. And he spoke highly of the living God, as did uh, Nebuchadnezzar had come to know God. Darius came to know who the real true God was. Uh, Now, I don't know if they became believers or not, but they knew God and they decreed the greatness of God and that they even prophesied about his kingdom being eternal. And you see that also in Artaxerxes to come later after Darius. And and, um, Xerxes was in the time of the reign of uh, Esther, and the whole event in Esther happened a little bit after this. So this is who this Darius is. And so I believe that this is after that event with Daniel in the lion's den, and, and Darius had come to understand this God of Israel. And so now he is in full support of the rebuilding of this temple. 
for uh, the honor of the king of uh, the king of kings, the Lord of God, the Lord God. And so he goes and he sends forth all the support they needed, sends it, even paid for everything out of the king's treasury, um, issued a stern warning against anyone who would try to interfere with them. I mean, it's beautiful what he did. And then they finished the work. They were encouraged also during this time by the prophets Haggai and Zechariah. And they finished the work. And then they dedicated this second temple. You can read about that in Haggai chapter 2, where Haggai basically asked them, he says, Who among you is old enough to remember the first temple before it was destroyed? And he said, And now you look at this one and you see it and you say, This is nothing in comparison to what we had in Solomon's temple, because they were looking at the exterior. But Haggai told them in Haggai chapter 2, he said, Oh, but the glory of this latter temple will be far greater. And the reason for that is because that temple, Zerubbabel's temple, this rebuilt temple, is the one that Herod embellished later, and Jesus himself came to and taught in Solomon's porch and was, um, you know, involved in this temple in some ways and in the worship here at this temple. Jesus himself, the living Son of God, came there. And so that, the glory of the Father in him, that John spoke about in John chapter 1, that very glory, that very presence of the living God entered this temple, Zerubbabel's temple. So they finished the work. They dedicated it. They assigned all of the divisions of the priests and the Levites that David had appointed and that Moses had commanded earlier as well. Um, Moses assigned all the jobs and duties for all of the priests and all of the Levites. And then David comes along and there's so many that are serving that he divides them into courses and divisions. And so all of that is restored here. We read about that in Ezra chapter 6. What I want to focus on today, though, is the beauty of separation. Because there's tucked into this chapter, I want to read after I've, I've told you about some of the other things earlier in the chapter. But I want to begin reading in verse 19 and read through the end of the chapters, just a few short verses. And the descendants of the captivity kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month. This was uh, approximately 41 days or so after the, the temple had been finished. The rebuilding of the temple had been finished according to an earlier verse. For the priests and the Levites had purified themselves. All of them were ritually clean. And they slaughtered the Passover lambs for all the descendants of the captivity for their brethren, the priests, and for themselves. Then the children of Israel who had returned from the captivity ate together with all who had separated themselves from the filth of the nations of the land in order to seek the Lord God of Israel. And they kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days with joy, for the Lord made them joyful and turned the heart of the king of Assyria toward them to strengthen their hands in the work of the house of God, the God of Israel. I want to talk mainly today, just a few moments more, about the beauty of separation from the world. 
Do you know when you really get saved, when there is a true uh, salvation experience, when someone is truly born again by the Spirit of God, there is a true repentance that happens. There is a change. There is a separation. And I see this also, the reading of this, the children of Israel who had returned from the captivity ate together with all who had separated themselves. I see two applications to that. First, in the actual salvation of a lost person, when someone who has not been in relationship with Jesus, in a blood covenant relationship with the Lord, now enters one and is in fact born again and has their name written in the Lamb's book of life. But I also see an application to prodigal sons and daughters, those who have maybe known the Lord, but have backslidden those who have wandered away from God, wandered away from the word of God. But that word is still alive in you. You still know that. You still hear it. And I, so I see an application here for the prodigals as well. But true repentance, true returning to the Lord, true coming to the Lord results in a true change and there is a separation. I want to talk about the beauty of that separation because that separation is dividing, distinguishing, or differing us. It's pulling us out of certain things and putting us toward or into certain things. Let's talk about what we're pulled out of. We're pulled out, according to this, of filthiness in my translation. It literally is talking about impurity and uncleanness. Now, this can have a vast application. It can refer to any form of impurity and any form of uncleanness, such as sexual impurity and sexual uncleanness, of course, but also ethical impurity or uncleanness, religious impurity or uncleanness, moral impurity or uncleanness, anything that is impure or unclean in any application, we are to be separate from that. And when we are separated from that, we're not just left kind of helpless wondering, okay, well, what now? No, no. It says separated themselves in order to seek the Lord God of Israel. This word for seek talks about several things. There's several applications to it. I want to read them to you so that you can contemplate them and think on these. To seek the Lord, to resort to him, to frequent him. In other words, to go into a relationship where you are visiting with him, you are dwelling with him, you are talking with him, you are spending time regularly with him. You are frequently spending time with him and requiring him and being in his presence. It means to entreat or to pray or to inquire. That would be the first thing we would think of to seek the Lord, to pray to him, of course. It also means to investigate or study. Oh, to seek the Lord also includes studying investigating, learning who he is, learning his character, learning his nature, learning that he is for you, not against you, 
learning that you now have peace with him and you stand before him in right standing as a new believer, as a brand new Christian. It also means to care for or to attend to him, to be concerned with his honor, to be concerned with what pleases him, to be concerned with serving him and living a life that brings him glory. This separation from impurity to God results in what is brought here, brought out here. I want to just make note of this. First of all, it mentioned that they ate together or they had sweet fellowship, believers having fellowship with one another. If you have believed on Jesus but have missed out on that, you are missing something very important. Join up with a church or a body of believers in some way. Nowadays, I know that, you know, with the pandemic and all of that affecting the entire world, lots of things are restricted in terms of how we can meet and how we can fellowship together in some places worse than others. But you can find a way to be connected to other believers and enjoy sweet fellowship and interaction, maybe through phone calls, cards, letters, whatever, whatever the case may be, Zoom or other online ways. There was sweet fellowship among them. They were able to eat together, share meals together. There was joy from the Lord that was given to them. It says that the Lord made them joyful. He will make you joyful. There was favor from the Lord. It says the Lord turned the heart of the king toward them. That speaks of the favor of the Lord. And then it speaks about how the, God's favor and his blessing and his joy has strengthened their hands in the work of the house of God, strengthening you for God's work. These are all a result of this separation this true faith resulting in having as it as its evidence true repentance a true separation from the filthiness of the world the filthiness of sin in all and any areas whatsoever and the separation to god to seek him to begin to know him to spend time with him to enter that relationship with him. And it results in these beautiful, beautiful effects and outcomes. Sweet fellowship with others, with other believers and others like-minded as you now as a Christian. Joy from the Lord, favor from the Lord, and strength to do God's work. And I want to close right now with this reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I want to begin reading in verse 14 and carry through to chapter 7, verse 1, these few, chap few verses. And this is how we'll end tonight, because Paul in the New Testament picks up on that same idea as what Ezra 6 just read, I just read to you and, and we spoke about. Verse 14 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion 
has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. <clears throat> when you believe in Jesus and you've entered that born-again personal relationship with him, you now have become the temple of the living God, the place of God's presence where he dwells with you. He dwells in you. Hallelujah. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. In other words, it's that is speaking of that relationship with God that we now have. Verse 17, therefore, come out from among them and be separate. Here we go again. Says the Lord, do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. Here we go. Coming out that separation from uncleanness, from filthiness, to be received by God, to seek the Lord and to enter the relationship he offers. He says, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Coming away, separating from all that filthiness, you now enter into a family relationship with God. And he now is the father to you. He will take care of you. He will love on you. He will speak to you. You may or may not have had a good father. I don't know. But he is the best father. And the model that any and every father should take and should try to follow. He's a good father. He loves his children. He provides for them. And yes, he disciplines when needed because he loves us that much. He's a father to us and we're in relationship with him. Chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, what promises? The promises that we'll be in relationship. He'll be our God and we'll be his people. The promises that he will receive us when we come out from all that uncleanness and turn to him. The promise that he'll be our father and we'll be his children. Daddy's kids. The king's kids. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear, in the admiration, in reverence, and awe inspiration of the living God. That is my prayer for each and every one of us this day. I pray this has been a blessing to you and that you can join us again in future episodes of our Truth Tidbits. God bless you today. In Jesus' name.